0: The Athletic. Hello, welcome to 1874, a podcast all about Aston Villa Football Club on The Athletic. I'm Dan Bardell, joined as ever by The Athletics' Aston Villa writer, Greg Evans. And, Greg,
1: what kind of mood have you woken up in this morning? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, m- morning Dan. Um, well, I'm fresher than I usually am after a game because I wasn't at Bramall Lane. Um, missed the last couple of games, so so like the rest of the supporters, I've been watching on telly for the last couple of couple of games. And yeah, not not great really. I was a little bit surprised at Villa's performance, a bit surprised at the the result. And yeah, kind of feel a bit feel a little bit flat because I was <clears throat> I was hyping up a. A, a run into the a, a push towards those European places, but it just looks like it might come, Villa might fall short now, mightn't they?
0: Yeah, I'm not sure if I overreacted, underreacted last night, but we'll get into it shortly, I'm sure. I mean, let's try and delay it a little bit. So let's talk about the the offer the Athletic have got going right now. So you can subscribe for a special price of three ninety nine a month for six months. That's 40% off the full price of a subscription. So you'll enjoy great analysis and all the in-depth features from all the very best football writers around, including our very own Greg Evans. And you'll also get ad-free versions of all our podcasts. So let's, let's try and pull in some, some new subscribers. Greg, anything juicy coming up?
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of there's a few things in the pipeline. Um, a nice interview with Brad Friedel, obviously Villa's oh, nice. oldest oldest ever player, wasn't it? Forty years and. F- Four days I think probably should know yeah. that, considering I've just interviewed him um yeah that'll be out on Friday really interesting and quite topical at the moment isn't it because we keep seeing we keep seeing his 15 clean sheets record uh, highlighted as Emmy martinez edges closer towards toppling that so yeah it was really good to catch up with him he's he's a football agent now and currently living in Miami so um yeah I'm, I'm sure the villa fans will enjoy reading that one
0: Well, I've already learned something because I thought he was a a coach, so you've you've already given me some new information by saying that he's a football agent and and we've got top three Villa keepers of of my time supporting the club coming up later in the show as well. So we'll see whether Brad Friedel can edge his way into my top three. Very, very prestigious. I'm I'm sure he'll be waiting with bated breath to find out whether he's made the cut. Greg, let's get into it then. I come away from most defeats being able to look at the bigger picture and being very happy with where Villa are. Just accepting that they're going to be inconsistent. We're not this top six club. Look how far we've come over the last twelve months. But I found it very difficult to do that last night. I just it was such a disappointing de- defeat to, to to not be able to break down ten men bottom of the league sitting on eleven points
1: for for half an hour. I just felt it was a really poor result and a, a bit of a clueless performance in many ways. Well, yeah. To be honest, I, I pretty much echo everything you've just said there. You know, I, I went, I went, I was watching the game, expecting Villa to do the job. Um, I thought it would probably be, you know, one 0 or a two 0 win. Um, Villa haven't Villa haven't scored many goals lately. They they don't concede, as we all know. But it's the same old patterns, and it was quite worrying, really, because it, it, when Villa went behind. I almost felt like it was a chance for them to right one of the wrongs from this season. Yeah, good opportunity, and, and a really good opportunity of that as well. Yeah, and the fact that Jagielka then got sent off, Sheffield United played with thirty, uh, played with ten men for the last thirty minutes. It, it was a good opportunity for Villa, and they just they they wasted it, unfortunately. And yeah, we're at the stage now where we we know pretty much what's going to happen with this Villa team. If they take the lead, they win. If they concede, they lose. And and it is as simple as that. That's how the results of um turned out all season and maybe perhaps we should expect that because they're they're a they're a ninth place team. Perhaps that's what happens to teams who are ninth place. They win one, they lose one. But it just feels a bit disappointing, doesn't it? If it was an opportunity missed. Um, Dean Smith was quite buoyant leading up into the game. You know, he, he, he almost sounded quite confident that they could go there and do the job. But then he was very disappointed, of course, after. And, um, you know, he, he even said, it feels like we've we've given away points here.
0: Yeah, I think because of the nature of the opposition that Sheffield United are having such a poor, poor season, let's face it, they're going to be in the championship next year. Like, like you say, it was a chance to, to put an end to those bad things that they've been doing. I, I don't know whether you watch Monday Night Football before the game, a couple of days before the game, Jamie Carragher was absolutely waxing lyrical about Villa's defence, talking very nicely about Villa in general. But he said, every time we get that chance to do back-to-backs and pull ourselves in the in the top six, top four discussion, we shoot ourselves in the foot and, and get a bad result. And it's just, it is the inconsistency that's going to kill Villa. And it's still going to be a great season, whatever, whatever happens, because it's an improvement on the last campaign. But... This is the season where there's an opportunity to go and do something special. I think McGinn said that in one of his post-matches recently. And if that, they keep pulling off bad results after good results, it ain't going to happen.
1: Certainly, you know, you mentioned John McGinn there. I remember interviewing him just uh, just around about the Christmas period, I think, and, he, you know, he was saying the same then. He said, look, you know, we're not going to say we want we want or expect to get into Europe, but privately, some of us feel like we're capable of doing that. And you look back to that Christmas period, the turn of the year, um, I feel we're in a great position, and, and I think... You know I actually felt I actually thought they could go and kick on because of the way they were playing but maybe we just have to be a little bit real and and think that you know it's only Villas second season back in the Premier League that that it's been what 10 11 12 years of of transformation and you know decline whatever you want to call it that they're, they're they're in a bit of a, they were in a state of flux for so long um but now you know it, it's gradual process uh, progress for me I think that staying up last year was key. A mid-table finish this season, if that's where Villa do end up, is great. But then the pressure then does become on next season because if you're if if you a team that's constantly wanting to improve and the owners of Villa want that, then next year you do need to go and kick on and you do need to be in that eighth position consistently at trying to get into the top six. So the pressure will be on Villa next season for me. For, for, for right now, I think that I kind of expected these results at the start of the season. I expected Villa to be probably further down than where they are now. So um, I actually still think it's a good achievement where they are. But at the same time, they've shown so many times this season what a good side that they can be, which is what makes the defeats even harder to take. Because if you look at the Sheffield United game last night, for example, I mean... You know, we, we might not be sitting here talking about this if Bertrand had put that shot away, which he should have. John McGinn, when he usually scores from close range like that. There were a couple of missed opportunities and you've got Ollie Watkins, he hits the bar. No other player in the Premier League has now hit the woodwork more often than him. Villa really aren't far away. They just need to fine tune it and make sure these, these fine margins are going for them rather than against them.
0: I do get that, and as I say, generally, when we've come off the back of defeats or or a difficult game, I've come in with the same mindset, but that Sheffield United back line, for example, last night, the back three, which eventually they ended up getting one of them sent off, it's completely second string. You know, Villa should be able to break that down. They've got Basham missing, O'Connell missing, John Egan missing. I don't think the keeper's up to much. Villa should be able to go to Bramall Lane and, and score a goal, especially against 10 men for half an hour, so... I find all those the usual things that that you say to like try and try and big up Villa's season and and try and be positive, they're usually there. But last night Villa should have enough to go to Bramall Lane and get something. Greg,
1: yeah. Again, I agree with you, but I also think if if Bertrand Traoré shoots two inches to the right, it's a goal. That's. Fine margin, John McGinn very close to scoring. Ezri Konza a chance created right at the end. You know, great save. Um, I think there was one off the line, wasn't there, from a McGinn effort or just before it got to Ramsdale. I just think sometimes the games just don't go in your favour, and you, and you got to credit the the defence. Sheffield United haven't kept, haven't kept a clean sheet um, since January, so. You can look at that two ways, and you can look at it on one hand. Yeah, they've got an they've got a, an understrength defence which should be breached. But on the other hand, you think, well, at some point under Chris Wilder, they're going to get that right, aren't they? Because they're a very defensive and organised side. So, you know, look, credit to the opposition, but maybe we're looking at this Villa team now that has done this too often. I look back at the Burnley game and I think what twenty eight chances created and they couldn't scored and they couldn't score. Um, I think Villa's shooting. Uh, conversion rate is lower than the average in the Premier League, which kind of says it all for me. Um, you know, Philip are, not, are in ninth position and their, 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 sh- their shot accuracy is, um, you know, not even not even on an average as the Premier League. It shows that something's going wrong in front of the goal. Um, for me, if they had one sharp shooter up there, maybe alongside Watkins or, you know, on the edges of him, that would make all the difference. Or somebody just to turn to, you know, in reserve, <sighs> I watched on the telly last night as I said so you know I was listening to Chris Sutton an ex-striker right. an ex-Villa an ex- an ex- striker and, and, and you know he was he was saying that he has seen something in Keenan Davis to to, to suggest that he will go on and have a decent career now I, I like I like Keenan Davis in terms of his hold at play I think his first touch he he, he shoved off a defender and, and opened up an, an opportunity but he's never scored a Premier League goal and this is where Villa are at they're, they're ninth in the Premier League with Supporters hoping that they can get into the um, European positions, but they're bringing on a striker who's never scored a goal in the Premier League and they're relying on another striker who's the only one in the Premier League to have played every single minute of every single game. So they're, they're just still a little bit short in terms of their squad. Yeah, it's a, t- it's a tough ask for
0: Keenan, to be fair. He comes on with, with 10 minutes left. I always think if anyone's coming on with 10 minutes left, you're not going to see anything. The, the subs perhaps arrived a little bit later last night. I'd have actually liked to have seen some some changes at, at half-time, t- to be perfectly honest. But... The worrying thing for me is our tactic last night seemed to be just, just swinging in crosses. I, th- I think I read somewhere, I don't know whether it's correct, that we'd put 40 crosses into the box last night or 44 crosses 44 into the box. And, and only six were successful. But surely that was playing into Sheffield United's hands with a, with a, big, a big back, back three or, or it was four at the back at the end of the game because they had 10 men. That's what they would want. With all due respect, we we aren't going to score in, in that way. If we scored many goals from crosses and headers this season, I, I can't think of many off the top of my head.
1: No, no. And, and Luke Smith came out after the game and he was equally as frustrated as you are there, Dan. You know, he wasn't asking for that type of... um bit one-dimensional. ...attacking play. You know, he, he wanted more from his players. He wanted his players to run off and, and make decent runs into the box and, um, you know, play between the lines almost rather than just... OK, the, the lines were very, uh, you know, close together towards the end. Let's be honest. Yeah, not many you know. lines it was out there. a block of 10, wasn't it, for, for, uh, for long periods. But... Smith wanted Villa to play that one more pass and get in behind them um, for the strikers to make uh, for the forwards to make decent runs, but they they weren't doing it. You know there wasn't enough movement up there. The, the crosses were coming in from awkward angles where it was easier to defend than attack. Um, I think probably the one decent cross was was targets which 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 set up Watkins um, off the bar. Watkins and then and then he hit the bar. You know, so again, fine margins, but Villa needed to do a little bit more. Um, in terms of the changes, I'm not sure I think we, I think we again as, as I wasn't at the game I, you know I wasn't seeing what the um, instructions were to the, to the to the subs but I think Barkley had stripped off after about 50 minutes or 55 minutes and then you know he was just getting prepared to come on and then Jaggy Alka was sent off so um, I, I didn't ask Smith this afterwards, but my my thought was I presume that Asbert came on for Brewster. Straight after the sending off, that that Smith wanted to not open up the counter attack too much for for Sheffield United. Maybe that's why he stuck with Nicanbar and Ramsey for just that little bit longer and then brought Sanson and and Barkley on. Um, I I have to admit, I kind of agreed with that because look, one one counter attack, Ollie Burke's through. Okay, he's not a great finisher, but it could be game over, couldn't it? And, you know, Philip pushed too too much too soon. Um, But yeah. I think the one thing we don't see very much from from Smith is half time substitutions. You know, there, there are a lot of Premier League managers now that do that. Um, very rare we see it from Smith.
0: You, what you've just justified there is, is, is perfectly reasonable, and I get it. But any other game, I'd probably go along with it. But I just come back to it. Burn Sheffield United—they're they're quite porous in front of goal. Oli Burke's probably scored one Premier League goal ever. You know, let's let's think about what what Villa can do. Let's think about how we we can hurt teams. And it all just felt a little bit safe for, for too long with the, with the team selection in general. I know you did a piece on the Camber leading up to, to the game in in another podcast that I do. I I kind of said that you pick players specifically for games and I, and I liked that for the Leeds game we picked Nakamba and it suited that game I actually don't think for a game against bottom of the league on 11 point Sheffield United that is, there's a need for, for Nakamba in that game I'd, I'd have rather seen Louise play and just try and build up and dominate a, a little bit more where do you sit with that because you can obviously see why <laughs> you yeah. kept the same team because it's, it's a winning yeah. team but I, I just think it should have been different
1: yeah look I think it's easy for us two to discuss it now after the game I, I think before the game we both play in the Canberra, let's be honest. If you're the manager, if we're the manager, I'm sure we both play in the Canberra. I was very careful in, in what I wrote and and, 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 I, and, I, and I looked back through my article probably four or five times before before I sent it over to my editor because I was thinking there were just a few things that I was a little bit cautious of because that was my first thought. The one thought I thought was... Nikamba, every single game that he's played, every single game that he started, Villa hadn't conceded up until last night. So I thought that was a very valid point, and I thought, right, okay, Villa don't concede many plays, so let's give that a go. But then I also thought, as you've just pointed out, maybe Nikamba is just that player to come in for various games to stifle opponents just when you don't need them to play as much. Um, and I mean, but but I also considered to myself, I thought it's such a ruthless move if you don't play him again after after what he's just done and, and sort of how well he played against Leeds. He's done
0: it, he's done it before. But maybe well, he's looking back before, now. He's done that.
1: Smith pulled him in and out. Yeah, that's what I mean. He'd done it before, but but I'm pretty sure it backfired in other games. Hadn't he taken the Canberra out and then Villa went and conceded the next game or possibly lost? Um, I think if you look at the Wednesday games, you know, they've right, lost Wednesdays four are Wednesday games there. on the bounce now. Forget Wednesdays, we can forget you know, about nobody it. Nobody wants to be playing on Wednesdays yeah. anymore. <laughs> but, but, um. But, yeah, look, you know, looking back, it's easy for us to say, oh, she could have played Louise, isn't it? But I think both before the game, we'd have selected the gambo.
2: Looking for an assist with your
0: credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Wednesdays on BT Sport I hope there's not too many of them coming up because we, we just can't seem to do it when, when those two things those two factors are, are tied together it just doesn't seem to happen for, for, for the club Barclays now not played two in a row as well you probably think he will end up coming back in on Saturday against Wolves now what do you think about that? Because Villa fans wanted it. It was funny, actually, because Villa fans wanted him out of the team. And then suddenly last night all over social media <laughs> when we were losing, it was like, get Barkley on. Let, let's bring get Barkley
1: Barclay on. on. Yeah, Baby, yeah, Barkley. Players always become better <laughs> when they're not playing. Oh, it's always the way, isn't it? Look, you know, I've been covering the club for 12 years. And, and it, you know, Libor Le- 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 Kozak was the classic case. When Ko- when Kozak wasn't, when he wasn't playing, it was, oh, but Kozak's coming back soon. he needs the saviour. And uh, Andre Green, I think, was another one. And... Uh, I like Barkley. I think that he, I think he can still do a job for Villa in, in these latter stages of the season. He needs a goal or he needs a, a standout performance, doesn't he? W- wouldn't surprise me if he if he played against um, Wolves. I expect to maybe... I mean, m- maybe McGinn needs a rest as well or maybe he needs to be pulled out the phone line just for a game. It seems like um, that'll never the happen, other... to be honest. That's happened with no, everyone else, no, but it right, won't yeah. happen with McGinn, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. I, my point with McGinn is that if I was the manager, I'd always be wary of pulling him out because he's always capable of just having that blockbuster performance and you just you don't want it to be the you know potential on the game that you've pulled him out from so maybe that's why smith keeps with him because I, I can understand that logic but i could see villa going back to their um you know the, the, the side with louise yeah and, and barkley in the midfield against wolves I, th- I think that looks like a nice fit against against wolves but um let's see i mean you know is it maybe time for for trezeguet to come in instead of Algarzi or triore I don't know. Um, what do you think of that, John? I
0: actually thought El Ghazi was decent last night. I thought he was trying to make stuff happen. It was very difficult out there, kind of, again, running into cold de a little bit. But I thought he was the one, if anything, that was going to make something happen. It was obviously him that got Jagielka sent off by, by going on that run and nearly putting himself through on goal. I just thought if anyone was going to do anything last night, it was El Ghazi. And I'd worry that if you, t- you take him out again, you're absolutely just flooring his confidence. He just seems to have got it back. And then you're just flooring him again and you never know when you're going to need him again. And you want him to come back if he does come out of the same fire and all cylinders. But I don't think that happens with him. I thought he was an unlucky last night. He was one of the few that I thought I thought him, concert and Mings, that were the three that stood out for me as having,
1: having positive games. Yeah, I think that's a valid point. Yeah, you know, El it wasn't long ago, was it? That he was sitting in the corner flag watching watching the team play. Yeah. Um, you know, what? while he couldn't even get in the match day squad. I remember that game against Stoke and he misfired badly and then couldn't couldn't get in the squad for the games thereafter. Um was gradually back in as a substitute. Obviously had his game against Wolves where he came on and, and scored and then had that purple patch through through December. Um yeah, look, got the goal against Leeds, didn't he? And I thought well, he was all right last night, so maybe I'd, I'd stick with him. Traore frustrated me a bit last night. I mean, it, it, we're at that situation with a game where he do something absolutely magical, but then just can't quite put the finishing touch on the end um, with, with the chance. And then in the second half, I felt like he just tried a few too many fancy flicks and, and a few too many um, you know, clever movements when the, the, the simple easy pass was on or, or needed to release the ball quicker. Um, he frustrated me towards the end. You know, I, I'd be tempted to to give Chess a, a go against Wolves and, and maybe use him as an impact sub. I think he's a trial at a time when we're not exactly banging the ball in the back of the net. He's,
0: he's a goal-scoring option, isn't he? He seems to get on, on the end of stuff and I think he's still a little bit raw. I'm not sure exactly how old he is. I know he's not, not a youngster, but you know his career hasn't hasn't taken off and I think if he has that consistency, he probably isn't playing for Aston Villa. So he's, that's kind of something that I, that I accept. I know he is frustrating. I, I get that completely, but I, kind of where we are, where he is, I kind of just accept
1: those moments, if you get what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I take your point that he gets to the end of things. I'd, I'd just be tempted to mix it up. What will happen
0: on, on Saturday? You probably don't know. Obviously, Dean Smith hasn't had his, his pre-match presser. I mean, I thought Elmo looked looked his age last night, if I'm being honest, Again, against Sheffield United. I think we'd desperately miss Matty Cash. Obviously, any team's going to miss Jack Grealish as well. I think we should be able to go to Sheffield United and win without these players. But, you know, now on Saturday, is there a chance that either of them will play?
1: Yeah, the message was that if 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 Grealish would was to train this week, then he, you know he would play. There would be no issues there. Um, it's just getting him back on that training pitch. We're still waiting to find out whether he is trained this week. As far, as far as I understand, he hasn't. Um, I always thought the Wolves game would probably be one too soon. You know, more looking at the <clears throat> the game before the international break, or maybe even after the international break. We, we just don't know because the lack of clarity or over his injury filler have been very confusing with. With it, you know we 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 don't know how serious it is, how long it's going to be. The message from Dean Smith is that you know he just needs rest. As soon as there's no pain or discomfort felt in his in his in his um in his leg, then he'll be back out on the training pitch and available for for selection. But it's come at a bad time, really, because to lose Cash and to lose um, Grealish, you know, and to probably still be turning out Watkins every minute of every game when he could do with maybe an alternative at times, or just to pull him out of a you know game for the last fifteen minutes. It feels like Villa have just gone a bit flat, and and you know just needs to find their spark back. So um, yeah, as you say, Al he's probably had two out of three bad games, hasn't he? Struggled badly against. He was bad Barnes. for the goal last night. I thought. And the goal, yeah, you know, he just I think he expected the ball to go out, didn't he? And just you know miss, missed missed running in off the back. So um, yeah, difficult one for Villa, but you know, it, it, it's a, it's a, it's a situation that. They wouldn't have envisaged, you know, Cash getting injured. But um, El Mahamid is out of contract, isn't he? In the summer, Gilbert—they're not interested in Kessler's a young lad coming through, so you'd expect them to buy right back in the summer.
0: I feel like you—you know—Elmo's not going to be there ne- next year. He's been a good servant to the club. But as I say, he, he didn't look good last night. I thought he's sheepish, claim for an offside after McGoldrick knocked it in. Probably summed up his his evening. To be fair, there's an argument to play Kessler because he's going to be at the club. If you're not playing someone against bottom of I know I've said this about 50 times in this podcast, if you're not playing these people against bottom of the league, Sheffield United on 11 points, then you're kind of never going to play him. Like, would
1: would he have given us something last night a bit different going forward? We don't know, do we? Because we, we don't know how good or how much he needs to develop still because we haven't seen him in that environment. He's never had a loan spell no. done, so, you know, I, I think that... Not all players, players do, though. No not players do, no, granted, they don't. Um, but the majority now of players who've play, who play in the Premier League and, and come through an academy system have gone out and had the loan period. Um, you know, I mean, look, Emil Smith-Rowe, for example, has burst onto the scene almost this year, but he, he's had loan spells. He was out at Huddersfield last season. Um, you know, that, that's just one example. There are hundreds of others, of course. I feel like it's really hard to say because we've only seen Kessler playing at... Under twenty-three level, and it's absolutely miles apart. You know, a million miles apart. You can't. You just cannot judge an under twenty-three game compared to um, a championship game, let alone a Premier League game. Um, so, it, it, you know. Only Dean Smith will know. Maybe that's one for me to ask him in the next press conference. Give him an ask. I think every. I feel like every week oh, I should give you a question to ask.
0: I don't know if that's allowed. We can start doing that
1: if you want. I'll mate. Just,
0: like, you know, like, tube, like tubes his question on sucker. am a little bit, a little bit, a little bit like that. I get my, I get my own little question every week in the press conferences. I'll, I'll drop you a we text. I'll drop you a text after the show. I'll t- tell you what I need to know. Just to go back to, to Jack, something that occurred to me whilst you were talking. You, t- you talked about him maybe not coming back until after the international break. But this is the last international... I no, no, b- don't, don't know. No, 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 no. You, said sure. you said yeah, possibly. Yeah, 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 yeah. But this is the last international break before the squad gets named. He's going to want to be away with England, isn't he? So he's going if
1: he's going to be away with England, he's going to have to play a game before then, you would think? He's going to want to be away with England, yes. But um, this sounds very crass and, and, and not nice at all. But the fact that James Madison and Harvey Barnes are also out injured as well probably helps him a little bit. Um, because, you know, Gareth Southgate isn't going to see those in action you know. either. Maybe potentially the three of them don't play. We, we you know we don't know yet. We don't know how serious the injuries are. Um, I'd suggest, I don't know this 100%, but I'm pretty confident what I'm saying is accurate. I'd suggest that Jack's done enough now. To no, get no, I completely the agree with you, but he won't want to chance it because he wants it so badly. Yeah, and it will, of course, look, you know, we, we know how much he wants it, but I think probably in his own head, he will know that he's got a decent chance now yeah I think I, I personally think he's in the squad there's always like people that get called up for
0: friendlies just before tournaments <laughs> I remember when Vassell was nowhere near the England set up and then he scored an over a kick against Holland in a squad <laughs> yeah. when I think even Michael Ricketts got a call up and he catapults himself into the squad there is always that risk of someone getting a call up doing well and then suddenly his place is at risk I'm not I'm like you I think he's 100% in there I think knowing how much he wants it, and knowing how Jack Greelish feels about England, I just think there's no way he doesn't he doesn't go away with the squad at the end of the end of March. So I think he's going to have to be back and play a game before then.
1: Yeah, you, that's opinion like, based. You, of course, he'd like that. Yeah, and then I mean, you know, there might be a situation where you never know that that, that you know they they don't risk him if he's if he's got a slight injury. Maybe they don't. Maybe he doesn't even go in in that respect anywhere.
0: Who's it up to in that in that in that circumstance? Say if the player wanted to go in Villa are same way, you haven't played very much for us recently. You've had an injury. We want you to, we want you to nurse yourself back to fitness and be ready for us after the international break. What would happen? I'm not saying that is going to happen, but what Look, would happen? I think
1: privately they, they they would all have you know various agreements in place and, and conversations. There's a duty of care there for Jack Grealish from Aston Villa, I think, because of the fact that you know Villa have rolled him out a lot. In recent years, and he's played through various injuries in the past. So, um, yeah, you know, Villa, Villa, Villa want to look after him as well. They they want him to achieve his his own aims and ambitions as well as the club succeeding as well. But look, Villa pay him, so Villa are the ones that own him.
0: Yeah. Well, let's let's have a quick look at heads to Wolves on Saturday, Saturday time Then they have picked up. A bit over recent weeks, they, they were having a, a pretty bad season by all accounts, I would say. But the last four or five weeks, they seem to have stabilised. They can pick up a, a result now when they need it. They went one-one at Man City. I don't know whether you watched it in, in the week, and then for five ten minutes, they really looked like they might go on and score the next goal and, and win the game. I mean, I absolutely cursed it with a tweet. <laughs> did you put one out? That, that I, that I did. No. <laughs> I did a tweet when they hadn't had a shot, and then literally thirty seconds later, they they, they scored. And then I was thinking, oh no, they're going to they're win here. I will say that I absolutely, if I'd remembered Villa were playing Wolves at the weekend, <laughs> I would not have chanced a tweet like that so I'm looking forward to that coming back to haunt me at the, at the weekend but it's a good chance to do the double over them remember beating them 4-1 at Villa Park in fairly recent times we lost last season didn't we after lockdown and then seemed to pick up it's a game where Villa are going to probably have to play on the front foot because Wolves like to sit in don't they so the, the changes that we mentioned earlier on in the show I think they'll probably come to, to fruition because Villa will need to be the ones that are prog- progressive Sorry, and, and play on the front foot against a Wolves team that are quite happy to sit in general yeah yeah
1: yeah uh, um... I haven't really enjoyed watching Wolves as much as I had done in previous seasons, this season. I thought they've been um, pretty poor, to be honest, every time I've watched them. Boring almost to watch. Um, I find them a bit Yeah, boring. yeah, yeah. I mean, look, you know, I think I think I think we discussed Wolves at, at some point in one of the other podcasts. It's, it's difficult for them, having lost Hutter, having lost Jimenez um, uh, and, and having lost Matt Doherty as well. You know, those are three real key players for them. So they're in a bit of a transition period as well. You know, they've, they've brought players in. Some of the youngsters haven't really... You know, kicked on as, as much as maybe Nuno would have liked. Um, so, yeah, it's been been a bit of a struggle for them. They've obviously got the threat of Adama going forward. Neto looks like a really exciting player, doesn't he? Um, those are the two that Villa are going to have to watch. Um, but if they, if they can keep them quiet, I, I'm quite confident Villa can go and do a job against them. Yeah, it could be Troy Ray against Elmo on uh, on Saturday,
0: which I think it would be a, a little bit of concern. I think he's still got zero goals yeah, and zero yeah. assists. I think we did a podcast earlier on in the season with, with Tim Spears, the Wolves athletic writer, and he was talking then about zero goals, zero assists, and I was quite concerned that he'd break his duck against Villa, and then
1: three months on, Still on, still on those those stats. So that is That's a right, oil. Yeah, zero goal, zero assists. I think it's fifty liters of oil on his arms. Is it something like that? that yeah, he's got a
0: lot of oil going on.
1: Uh, look, you know, they'll have to keep him quiet. The you mentioned Elmo there. I think teams typically tend to double up on on the Darmatray or anyway, don't they? So the the onus will be on. No,
0: you're them. right. You Trezeguet shout might be spot on there. Yeah, them.
1: that could work. Or, or Douglas Louise back in there, or, or the Cambe. You know, just just active. Um, Giving that extra bit, you know, shield, and and then obviously um, Kanza Dip coming over as well. So I, I, I'm I'm quite confident Villa can can handle them. I mean, I feel defensively they've been quite strong this season. And look, if you can if you can keep a Dama or a you know, relatively quiet, I think Neto is the more important one to monitor.
0: Ideally, Villa will go one nil up early, and then we know what happens from there. If we if
1: we go one, I mean, to be
0: fair, if we go whether we go one nil up or one nil down, you might as well turn the TV off at that point because you know you know exactly what's going to happen now.
2: Requires high-speed internet connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
0: Emmy Martinez didn't add to his clean sheet record last night. Obviously, you have spoke earlier about Brad Friedel and Martinez closing in on, on that record. You've tasked me this week with picking my top three keepers since I've been going down to Villa Park, so that's around 1992, 1993, and I, I was tempted to put Emmy Martinez in. To be honest, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. He was he was very close to making a cut, but I thought I'd wait till he breaks that clean sheet record before he makes it into my all time top three. So, do you want to know it, Greg?
1: Yeah, go on. Back to front. Three, th- three, two, one. Yeah, I've gone.
0: I've gone. freed as number three.
1: I'm glad I've done the interview with him already. He'd be happy with that, top three. I did realise there
0: wasn't like, loads to choose from in, in the end. I thought I thought there'd be more. The like have had some not very good goalkeepers over the recent times. In particular, but yeah, Friedel in at number three was very good under the Martin O'Neill team for for a couple of seasons. I think he broke some form of consecutive appearances record, didn't he? Whilst he was, whilst he was at Villa in his in his first season yeah, in yeah, the Premier three, League, three, so
1: 310 con- consecutive appearances on the bounce.
0: Sorry if I'm ruining your pace there, but yeah, just remember him breaking that record. He was just a, a consistent goalkeeper for for a top six side. Don't remember him doing anything massively spectacular, but he was just always solid organised his defence well and I just thought he was a good goalkeeper for Villa so he was in in at three number two I think you're probably going to disagree with this one if, I, if I'm being honest because it's David James I've gone for mm.
1: Mm. I just really liked him I like
0: Jamer. I just liked how authoritative he was I liked that if he made a mistake it didn't affect him he'd still come and try and claim the next cross. And again, he was part of a a good Villa side. I mean, he replaced the man who's number one in my list. I don't think anyone would get any prizes for guessing who a number one goalkeeper was going to be. But I think we picked him up for one, (laughs) one and a half million. And I've I've interviewed John Gregory in the past and he he raved about David Jones, about how good he was, how they, they managed to get in his head and get good performances out of him. He got himself back in the England squad at Villa. We won't talk about that 2000 FA Cup final, but I just thought for a couple of years, he was a
1: really good goalkeeper. Yeah, I liked Jai I remember when he moved from Liverpool, one point eight million, decent, decent fee, decent money at the time. There's a nice little story I got about JMO in, in the next few weeks that I, I won't, I won't share, but until you read it. But uh, he's quite interesting about some of the um, agreements that he had in his contract when he was okay. at Villa. So I'll save that one for uh, for, for for a few weeks time. But uh, yeah, good shout, good goalkeeper. And I think he's the all time, the all time. Um, Record of clear, sorry, he's number two in with the amount of record clean sheets in the Premier League. Yeah, he actually got his record against Villa, I think, when he did go number one. I think he actually got that record against
0: Villa for Portsmouth. Oh,
1: right and the end, uh, where I think he yeah. took over. Good end.
0: goalkeeper. That story you've got sounds, sounds interesting. You seem to be going around the houses with the goalkeepers at the, at the moment, just just goalkeepers that you that you speak <laughs> to at the moment. I'll, t- I'll tell you when we're off air. I look forward to that. <laughs> and number one, someone we've interviewed previously. On this show, Mark Bosnich, and no other goalkeeper comes close for me. He was just just absolutely world class. When I was a kid growing up, and he made goalkeeping cool. When I when I was a kid, everyone wanted that buzzy shirt. Everyone wanted to go in goal. He was just, just brilliant. Those penalty saves against, against Tranmere. A funny guy and a really really nice guy. As well, I speak to I speak to him quite a lot. Such such a nice nice genuine guy to speak to. And yeah, buzzy one. Yeah, good show. We, we like Bozzie, don't we, at The Athletic? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you told me when I was a kid that I'd be chatting to to, to Mark Bosnich in my later life, I'd have been absolutely made up, so that that's something for me to take away, personally, because I really enjoy talking to him. Anyone you would have had in there?
1: Um, no, probably I mean, look, Martinez, I like Martinez, but as you, as you rightly pointed out, maybe a little bit too soon. I think Sorensen was decent for a bit, wasn't he? You know, to be fair, quite, quite like Sorensen. Hard to be treated um, by
0: Martin O'Neill, he just one day I decided to take
1: him from number one goalkeeper to number three that they had a bit of a falling yeah, out, didn't they? Yeah, but um but yeah, the ones that you that you mentioned, uh I, I'd probably have three ahead James, to be honest. Okay, that's that's fair enough. I guess that's that's subjective.
0: We've had other goalkeepers at the end of their career who I would say are Premier League legends, like Shay Given, Peter Schmeichel, Reiner, yeah, Reiner as well. They were probably past their best by the time they were at Villa work, weren't they? But they've obviously been Premier League legends, but
1: probably not legends of Aston Villa. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting actually. If you if you were to look back at the most amount of clean sheets from goalkeepers, you know the top ten or fifteen, probably five or six goalkeepers that have played for Villa in there you know when you think of it James, Michael, uh, Sorensen, Reiner, uh, Given as you mentioned a bit a fair few
0: in there isn't there? Yeah if you were to make a list of best Premier League goalkeepers a lot of them yeah. have probably played for Villa yeah. at uh, some point as well. So, yeah, Maybe that's a story for you. <laughs> to keep on <laughs> the goalkeeper. At some point, thing, Greg. Yeah. You love a goalkeeper. We won't talk about some of the other stories that you did last week. But, yeah, looking forward to reading the Friedel stuff and looking forward to you telling me that David James story off there at, at the end of the show. I do think that does us for this week. Thanks very much for talking to me, Greg. I've oddly always feel better about it the next day, but I was not happy last night at all. So this feels like it's been a bit more of a calmed, reasoned look at Villa going to Bramwell Lane
1: and losing. You go into the game on Saturday, yeah, Greg? Yeah, back into work on, on Saturday. So looking forward to that. Look, it's never the same, is it, when it's a Derby and there's no fans in there, but... I'm sure everyone watching on um, will be looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, maybe it's the Greg Evans factor as well. Get Greg Evans back at a game. Maybe you've not been at those BT Sport ones, maybe on a, on a Saturday tea time at Villa Park. We're more likely to do something with you there. Very envious as ever that you go in. Thanks ever so much to Greg. Thanks to everyone that's tuned in and listened as well. We'll be back next week with another edition of 1874. Take care of yourselves and up the villa. Athletic.